Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. Today we are headed to Austin, Texas to talk with Diane Floyd Bem. Diane is an award-winning international author, community volunteer, humanitarian, and former classroom teacher. Her latest books, Charlie and the Tire Swing, How It All Began, and A Time to Fly, are out now. So, oh, my dear, dear Diane, welcome to the RV. Thank you. I'm so happy to be part of the RV. Thank you for having me. Of course, I was looking forward to coming to Texas and give you a ride. Oh, thank you. Diane, as a dog mom, we'd love to hear more about your dog, Remy. What's your, let's say, favorite thing about her? And can you share a funny or heartwarming story about your furry companion? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Remy is amazing. I, I've always grown up around dogs and everyone has, uh, every dog has had a special place in my heart, but Remy, I don't know. There's just something extra special about her. She's a blue healer, smart as I'll get out. And we got her when she was eight, around eight years old, the vet thinks. And she just knows that she's been saved. She's a rescue dog. And, uh, and she just, loves you and she she just wants to cuddle with you and oh she's such a protector and I I spoil her <laughs> uh-huh. yeah she I, she goes everywhere with me I totally get you on Remy's love actually I have a cat I don't mm-hmm. have a dog myself but I have a Persian cat named Attila who lives with my mom because my my husband is allergic to cats. So <laughs> I had to decide between my husband and the cat. Yeah, that was a hard one. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> it's funny how life works out through because my sister's dog, Buster, is actually one of the characters of my book. And ah. it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible how. Let's say how pets can bring so much happiness and creativity into our lives. Have you ever found any inspiration from your Remy while you're writing your books? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she uh, she knows first thing in the morning I'm probably going to write. And then she'll just sit there staring at me like, okay, okay, you know. Uh-huh. And then if I have a moment where I'm like, oh, I need to figure out what to do next with the character. I'm like, okay, Remy, let's go for a ride. Because she, like any other dog we ever had, absolutely loves to take car rides. So we hop in the car <laughs> and we go down to the little store, I call it. And um, she gets a treat. And by the time we get home and she's licked me to death, 
it's cleared my mind and I already know what the character is supposed to do. And it's all thanks to Remy. <laughs> I think dogs, pets are such an inspiration. They are yeah. angels in disguise. <laughs> That is a great way to put it. Absolutely. You know, and um, blue healers are so smart. Um, they're very quiet dogs. Um, at least ours is. But if she barks, you need to check and see what's going on. And where we live, we can get coyotes and everything. So we're always grateful. Man, she can sniff that coyote out for sure. And we usually have the coyote once a night. So, wow. I'm yeah. afraid of coyotes. <laughs> well, if people haven't ever really seen a coyote, they might think the coyote is a dog because they look so similar. At least the pictures that we have a little camera out in the woods. Um, that takes pictures and uh, you would just think it was a German shepherd or something and try to pet it if you didn't know any better um, then there wouldn't be anything left of you <laughs> so yeah I think they also look a little bit like foxes or am I wrong yeah they can look like a wolf or a fox depending on um, the breed but this particular one really looks like a German shepherd mm. but uh, yeah when you see the deer start running you know to something's going on as well so I'm very blessed that we live in an area uh, we wanted to live with nature though the city has grown up around us but we still are blessed enough to have lots of birds and and deer and all kinds of critters wonderful this is yeah. this is precious to live surrounded by <laughs> animals and plants yeah. and yes birds and Diane, I've read that you have lived in several different countries and had some amazing experiences. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about your background with us? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, thank you for learning that. Yeah. Um, so I'll just start with for a moment that I feel so blessed because when I was a little girl, I would, um, and I have five brothers, by the way, and uh, my little window would be um, pushed up against the, um, my bed would be pushed up against the window. I'm trying to picture it now. And the moon would come shining through and I would take my little sheer um, curtains and put it over as if I was a princess. And I would dream about traveling the world and then fast forward the angels <laughs> helped that dream come true because I married my husband who uh, was a diplomat at the time and uh, we um, lived in DC for a Texas girl going to DC that was already an experience in itself I remember my daddy saying so Suge um, how is it up there and I was like daddy you won't believe it it's like living in a foreign country <laughs> And then fast forward, um, we uh, lived in the Philippines and um, what an amazing experience that is. And my husband speaks to Gailog and <clears throat> we traveled to so many islands way down south representing the U.S. And um, one of the islands, hello, is very close to Malaysia. So, you know, you you know, people are very different down there compared to the people in Manila. And then I was able to be on stage and um, be in a couple of musicals in Manila. And um, I had my first baby there, taught school there, um, 
but I, I can't say enough about the Filipinos. They're so filled with love. They can sing like you wouldn't believe. But you know, the pureness and innocence and love that they have towards one another is something that I just wish that spark could be in everybody around the world because it's really quite beautiful. And then fast forward, we lived in Dubai and um, believe it or not, a huge Filipino community was there. So it made it easy for us to uh, live in the um, Dubai and um, they run a lot of, you know, manage a lot of things. And at my husband's law firm, one gentleman was the manager, was Filipino. And so that was quite fun. And by the way, Filipinos, the women, a lot of them are so gifted with their hands and sewing and so forth, like beautiful, beautiful, amazing work, making wicker as well, the men and women, rattan. Um, but the Filipinos also are fantastic bowlers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, can they bowl? So um, they had a bowling team. And so that brought a lot of fun to the law firm. Um, but um, in the, in Dubai, of course, we being living there for 14 years, we uh, really saw the transition from um, moving from this one, you know, they, they were just starting to do tons of buildings, you know, and to what it is today. And uh, I think what I love the most about Dubai is that there's people from all over the world. I think they said it's like 200 plus different um, and, you know, people from foreign countries. And they really demonstrate how you can have a different belief system. You can be born from a different place, but you can live in harmony. And I really think Dubai does a, or the whole UAE does a beautiful job with that. And uh, I feel very blessed to have lived there and to, to spend 14 years coming back and forth or going to other countries and visiting or teaching and to share uh, with them, uh, with, with whoever I'm in front of the audience, that there's beauty in everybody in the world, you know, good and bad, but the beauty is what we want. And that we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and we might we might speak differently. We might not understand. People always say, because my husband speaks several languages like you. And people will say, well, how many languages do you speak? And I said, body language and English. <laughs> because <laughs> I haven't been gifted with that. But I can sing. But uh, I, I just think, you know, a smile goes a long way. And people can tell that you're kind and your eyes, you know, are the windows to the soul, as they say, and that if they can see that you are kind, they're going to, you both can use your hands and your body to help ex express what it is that you, you want to know. And then you'll pick up words and, and you'll be good. Like if I'm in Dubai and I'm in the Philippines, I'm like, I'll have a calamansi, please. <laughs> and that means this little lime drink. And it's the best lime drink on earth. Not alcohol, but it's like a lemonade, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know calamansi until then, right? But I know that sounds silly, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I I had the same experience because I lived in Dubai. And I worked with some Filipinos and they are just so kind, so sweet people. And Actually, I'm curious to know, Diane, how your travels and exposure to 
diverse cultures have shaped your writing style and the stories you choose to tell? A beautiful question. Um, I think because I have been so blessed to be like in Thailand and Hong Kong and different parts in Europe, as well as the United States, people think, oh, you're United, so you must all be alike. But uh, trust me, we're not. <laughs> so you really have to understand people. So in my writings, I think that I try to find themes that are going to resonate across the world. And I try to think of themes that children are going to know that you're telling the truth and they can read it. The, the story will resonate with them as well. And so I go from there. And again, the what's constant in all the different countries I've been to, even in Lebanon, um, which is a, just a beautiful country, is... Um, and I say even Lebanon because they have a lot of hardship going on right now. And so they're always in my thoughts and prayers is that the constant is that people are people. Love is love. Kindness is kindness. And we're all brothers and sisters on this planet. So what is it that we can do to help one another? And that's really what my books are about is that Whoever that the angels, you know, help get that book into their hands, I want them to know that they are loved, that they can find love, that they're never alone, and to be kind to one another. And, and you know, some of the books are all about peace because everybody on earth is of sound mind and body. They just want peace, you know. When we were in um, Dubai and things broke out in Syria, a lot of us women, we got together. And even though I couldn't go to Syria, we um, were able to figure out how to get food, water, blankets, et cetera, to Syria. And, um, and that was really important. So when I went to Lebanon, even though I couldn't see um and go firsthand to where the uh, refugees were, I could be up on this hill and I could look down and see the refugee camps, knowing that our group made a tiny difference in somebody's life. And it's these ripple effects that I would like to think we can do to help make the world a better place. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I get carried yeah, away. Sorry. I was checking your books and I read some of them thank you and yes i just love your books i love the <laughs> illustrations the themes in your opinion diane what are some of the most important themes or messages that children's books can convey and how do you ensure that your own stories resonate with young readers mm. Another excellent question. Mm -hmm. I actually, before COVID, I would always make sure to get in into a school classroom and read some of the books or ideas, talk to the kids about the ideas, but kids will be truthful for you. So like when I did Harry the Camel, um, which he lives in Dubai, Harry the Camel, um, you know, the, I would say something to the kids, well, what do you think, blah, blah, blah. And they give me ideas and so forth. And, and, uh, 
so I'd go home and like make little improvements and so forth. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> that's really cool. But one of the books that I really love is Charlie and the Tire Swing um, because it's intergenerational. And I'd like to think that kids, you know, we're always so busy that um, sometimes we forget <laughs> as parents to teach the family tree. And um, I think it's important to have the family tree. I also think it's important to um, see pictures. So when you come to my home, and it was because my mom and daddy did it, and my grandma, you'll see a whole wall going up, and it's the whole family tree of great-great-grandparents, grandparents, and I made sure that that my picture of my mom at 13 was right where my daughter was. She sat on the landing. She saw grandma and my mama was gorgeous when she was young. And then she saw this little squirrel face, which was me um, in sixth grade. And and so that kids would see that, you know, you change over time. And so this is this is that dorky stage. But look what happens, you know, by the time God finishes, it's like, wow. Right. And um so I think by kids being able to say, I don't understand, who do I look like? And then all of a sudden they see their great, great grandparent and they're like, oh, I look like great, great grandpa Jack, you know? And then all of a sudden they go, oh, okay, <laughs> kind of uh -huh. nice, you know? So mm -hmm. I don't like all these kids getting plastic surgery at 16, like just love yourself the way you are. So no. Anyway. And the, the cool thing about Charlie and Grandpa Jack's tree is how it showcases the different generations, as you were telling us, and their, let's say, connections to the tree all the way up to the tired swing. And one thing that I want to know, um, Diane, is what do you hope this book will bring to families who read it together? You know, I really hope that they don't finish the book in one day. I want, I want the child to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, there's, there's grandpa and there's a great grandpa. Do I have a great grandpa? Who's my great grandpa? Tell us the story, you know, and all of a sudden the parents are telling their own family history. And if that happens, then I actually did my story. <laughs> it did what it's supposed to do. I mean, that book is so multi-layered because you have the seasons, you're teaching patience, you know, you didn't go out and buy a tree that's already 40 years old. Not many of us can do that, right? And so, you know, yeah. the kids learned how patience happened. And actually that tree actually exists. It's at my husband's home. So it's based it's based on many true stories woven in together. <laughs> I saw the illustrations and I love them. So are you the one who make the illustrations as well or not? Oh no, I wish I was gifted like that. I mean, I've done some illustrations on the little girl in the moon, but no, Judy Godet, who lives in Maine, um, has done those illustrations and she just did a brilliant job because I was really thought, you know, how's anyone going to see my imagination? How are they going to view it? And the next thing I know, she, you know, she took the season and then he showed the pumpkin and then the tree was, you know, the acorn's still underneath the tree. And then all of a sudden it's winter and the kids worried about the snow and she just did a beautiful job. And 
I, I just want to say one other thing about illustrators. I don't use the same illustrator. I always think that, um, I know a lot of people believe that one illustrator, when people look at a book, they go, oh, that's Diane. That's how her books always look like that. I don't think like that because my imagination isn't the same always. But I also want to give opportunities for people who who would love to be illustrators and they don't know how to do it. And I see that they have this spark, you know, so like Harry the Camel, um, my friend is from Sri Lanka and she did the illustrations. We did it together. And she is a famous illustrator in Dubai and um, a mainly artist, actually. And this was her first book she illustrated. But I wanted to open that door for her because she really she really wanted it. And I've been blessed. So why wouldn't I turn around and do that? So that's what I do when it comes to illustrators. I love it because I do the same also. I <laughs> love giving opportunities to new people, people who are starting and don't know how to start. So say, let's go, let's try together. Yeah. And also Diane, Diane, sorry. Diane, um, I think about the Princess Diane, I think. <laughs> the Princess Diana, oh, what a beautiful yeah. spirit, right? She helps yeah. so many people, yeah. Yeah. And then also, I would like you could talk a little bit about your book, A Time to Fly. Mm. Sure. A Time to Fly is actually based on something that really happened in our home. I love to garden. And in our home um, in Kingwood, Texas, where we used to live, because at that point I wanted to be close to my mom, and uh, we had this pole. And so I had a flower pot hanging on this pole. <laughs> and I lost my little plant and I hadn't put a new flower in yet. And um, all of a sudden, my daughter, youngest daughter, noticed that this bird kept flying. So she got a ladder. And sure enough, there were um, four eggs at the time, three by the time um, the babies were born, or the little bluebirds. And so we started watching all of this. And there really was this one bluebird that did not want to fly. And that mama was just like trying so hard to get this bird to fly. And I even have on video of the bird falling back in. And I just went, you know what? This is real life. And I turned it into a time to fly because we're all like that. That book is really for adults, too, because we have these moments of like, can I do it? You know, I can remember. Um, tears running down my eyes before the first day of school and I was going to teach computers for the first time and nobody ever taught computers and I said okay I think I can do it and then all of a sudden um, that night I started you know like sweating and crying and <laughs> I mean not bawling but you know just tears rolling down like please dear lord let me do a good job I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> right yeah. and um, and thought can I do it can I do it and of course I did. And so I thought, I'm going to write a book that's not just for kids. But when parents read it, they're like, oh, my gosh, she's speaking to me. <laughs> and that's what a time of flies about, because the mama bird and the daddy is very involved as well. But she's like, OK, I'm going to tell you a story about how you were born. And each time I tell a tiny bit, I just want you to flap your wings. And so with each little bit, the bird flaps the wing and then flap, flap, flap. 
And before you know it, it's flying. And, and the bird's like, oh my gosh, I knew I could do it, you know, and you're just so excited. <laughs> I get excited talking about it, just thinking about it. Yeah. When you read it to children, they're just like, they start, I go, now y'all flap, you know, because I love reading my books to kids because I have them be interactive with me and I get as excited as they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this book is for the whole family. Actually, I see that mm-hmm. it it also teaches like com- you to be more confident and confident, overcoming yeah. fear. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, there's a moment when the little bird falls back into the little flower pot, and the mama, you know, helps the bird to say all the right things, you know, and, um, and that's okay, because I wanted to demonstrate to children, as well as to the person listening. Yeah, we, we can't do everything. We're human, we can't do everything perfect. That's what humans were supposed to fall. And we learn from the fall. And then we go on, right? And if we don't have failure, then how can we improve? Oh, my gosh. I don't want any of my junior high and elementary kids to come back. No, I'm just teasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I did something, but I don't want to think about it. I'm sure I went to confession or something for it. <laughs> and Diane, what is next for you? Can you share with us any upcoming projects or more books that you are working on? I'm sure you're doing many things already. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I'll tell you what, I'll let you be the first one to know the title. It's called Dylan the Curious Bunny. And you heard it first right here. (laughs) And yeah, I know. Isn't that great? And Dylan, I mean, I'm so excited about this book. Um, Again, it's kids are going to love it. I I mean, I've read it to a couple of kids and they're already kind of getting because it has a rhythm to it. And Dylan, he just is so curious about the world and um, he's out, you know, discovering things and then all of a sudden he misses home and he wants to go back home and he has to remember, oh my gosh, how did I get this far? And so the kids have a, a moment to recall all the steps that Dylan did so they gets back home safely. And then once Dylan's there and he's all comfy, you know, back with his family, he's like, I wonder what I can see tomorrow. <laughs> so it's really, I'm, I'm really excited about that one. I have a young adult historical fiction book called Rise, A Girl's Struggle for More, which is based on my grandma, which one day we can share more about that. But um, it did quite well. And so my publisher asked me if I would do a follow-up because people wanted to know what happened next to Ruby. And um, it's sort of like an Anne of Green Gables kind of story, but it's basically true. And um, and so and I had the follow up. And so it's in edit form right now. So when are anyway. you publishing this book? We're, so Dylan should come out in July mm-hmm. and um, we should be announcing pretty soon the uh, book reveal. Uh, the cover reveal, I guess they call it. (laughs) And um, that should be in about two weeks. So I'll keep you posted. Mm -hmm. And then um, the new book, the title to be determined for um, Rise, A Girl's Struggle for More, the second one. Um, We hope to have it out in October. So 
things coming. And yeah. Diane, how do you balance your writing career with your other responsibilities and commitments, <laughs> such as being a mom and grandma? How many grandkids do you have? One, but oh, I, hope, just one. I hope we'll be blessed with more. But he lives far away, but he's coming to visit real soon. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, I can make a comment, but I won't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hopefully people will get busy, if you know what I mean. And um, but yeah, he brings a lot of joy. And actually, there is a sentence in Dylan, the Curious Bunny, that I added because my grandson, when he started eating real food. He started saying yummy for my tummy. So I went in and I have Dylan saying yummy for my tummy. <laughs> so he, he's, isn't that cute? He's so adorable. <laughs> so as any proud grandmother would say, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, but nowadays you only write. You don't, are you working as a teacher or no more no 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 you know if I was teaching full-time I could do nothing but teaching yeah. I've always been a storyteller and so I decided it was time to put my um oral stories on in paper but I love gardening I love to sing I'd like to get back to uh getting my pipes back in order and and do some you know community singing because I love it so much when I was in Dubai I was able to be in musicals and that was really quite fun so I was in Annie and well four or five <laughs> sound of music a bunch of them with a popular production and and the stars from West End would come and there's nothing like being on stage you know and looking out at an audience and you just made their uh, day you know because when you have that curtain call and you see the audience because you know you don't you don't notice the audience when you're in a different and when you're in a different world, you don't pay attention because you have to be truthful to who the character is. And um, but boy, when you when you um, get off stage and people are back there wanting your autograph or whatever, and you're just like so happy you made people for a moment smile. It's exciting. So I'd like to get back to that. But, you know, I I go to bed at night and I thank the Lord that I had a lovely day and I hope I did something that made people happy and made him smile. And when I wake up in the morning, I give thanks that I have air in my lungs and I was given another day. And I ask, what is it I can do to make this day a blessing to someone else? Because I've been blessed. And I'll sit there and I'll tell people who might be, you know, slapping their kid in Target or something or crying in the checkout line or something. And I look at them, you know, and and I'll say, you know, no matter how bad a day is, it could be a lot worse because you could not have air in your lungs. Mm -hmm. And they're just like so shocked. But I think if we could look at life as a blessing, then then every moment make something of it. So I try to pack in as much as possible. But then truly what happens to me is I like, go, 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 go. And then I'm like, I'm exhausted. And then I got to sleep for a couple of days mm -hmm. <laughs> to get my energy back. Yeah, oh, sleeping is so good. Yeah. And uh, Diane, yes. would you like to leave or to share 
any final thoughts or message with our listeners today? Hmm. Well, I guess to wrap up what we've said is that if you can have peace in your heart, that means you can turn around and have help others to have peace in their heart. And if we can think of ways for other people to smile and feel peace, then maybe one step at a time, one ripple effect at a time, maybe we can magically for a moment have peace around where we live. Thank you. Actually, you are giving me peace and making me smile today. You made my day. I'm so, so happy to have you here, Diane, today. And I would like to know, and also our listeners, where can we find you online? Sure. Uh, the best place is on my website, dianefloydbame.com. And let me spell that because, of course, my mama made it difficult. D as in dog, <laughs> D-I-A-N-N-F-L-O-Y-D-B-O-E-H-M.com. Floyd is my maiden name, and I always promised daddy I'd use it. <laughs> so dianefloydbame.com. Wonderful. And to our listeners, I have some exciting news to share with you. Diane will be featured in our upcoming May issue of the Relatable Voice magazine. We <laughs> couldn't be happier. So you will have the chance to learn more about her and see some of her book covers. And also, Diane, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your beautiful insights. And I wanted to know that our doors are always open for you. Thank you. You're such a blessing. And thank you, listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.